expectations were not God's expectations. And uh, sometimes we expect things that isn't really God's will and we get disappointed. But uh, we're just we're just supposed to be faithful until our Lord calls us home or comes for us. So trust the encouragement to you this morning. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, 
that it may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. For man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. And the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege of ours to meet together here this morning. Thank you for the encouragement we find in your word and rejoice in your goodness. Thank you that we can sing praises to thy glorious name, for truly thou art worthy. So, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to hearts through your word in this hour. I pray that you'd encourage and challenge us and uh, just to be faithful until you come for us. And, Lord, help us to, to occupy till you come, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As we think about the servant of the Lord, as the Bible called, Paul called himself on many, many different occasions, you know, he would write in almost all his epistles, and he simply called himself a servant of the Lord. Um, <clears throat> Paul gives us here, writing to young Timothy, who is a pastor, three illustrations of of service, you might say, a soldier, an athlete. In fact, the word strive in verse 5 is used twice. It's the only time it's used in this way in the Bible, this word strive. It's athleo. It means to compete or be competitive. That's the idea there. Um, so he gives us a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Um so I want to look at those three things this morning as we think of of us of our service to the Lord and and being faithful uh, until the Lord comes for us. First of all, as we think about a soldier, in verse three again he says, "Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." You know, a soldier's life is one of hardness. They're trained to be hard. That's what they're trained for. They're trained for endurance. Uh, they're, they're trained to take the hardest, most difficult situations in life and go with it. That's what's expected of them. And, and you know, it, of course, uh, as we think about a soldier of Christ, we, we are volunteers. We, we, we choose to be a soldier of Christ. And, and even in our military, that, that's the way it is today. It wasn't always that way. There used to be the draft. But, but now it's all volunteer. And it's still, still the, biggest, the, the, the greatest army in the world, although it's been greatly reduced. But uh, uh, we as God's children are, are, are volunteers, are to be volunteer soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The, 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 the call throughout the Bible from God to us is, Come unto me, come unto me, come unto me. It's an invitation. You know, somebody said to me here the other day, you know, I don't, I don't want you to read the Bible. So what's your prerogative? God doesn't force himself on people. He offers it to you. He invites you to come to him, but he won't force you. You know, you, you, you choose to go your own way. You know, the, the, in Luke 15, 
with the prodigal son, when the prodigal son decided he didn't want to stay with his father, his father let him go. Now, he was an adult. He let him go. He didn't force his son to stay, and he didn't go looking to make him return either. Although, he looked for him every day. I mean, when his son decided to turn, he saw him a long way off. He looked for him every day. You know, it speaks of our Heavenly Father who seeketh such to worship him. He's looking for people. He's searching for people that will follow him. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, I think this is uh, uh, speaking about... Um, Luke 9, 23. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So, he simply says, follow me. It's volunteer. But we are also, not only are we volunteers, we, we need to have complete faith or complete confidence in our commander. Notice verse 4 says, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. We need to have complete confidence in our commander. We leave all. The disciples left all. Peter said, you know, Lord, we have left all to follow thee. What we have therefore, we've left all. And a soldier says he's not to entangle himself with affairs of this life. That he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. So we need to have complete faith or confidence in our commander. That he will, number one, supply our needs. Matthew chapter 6. And I know these, a lot of these are familiar verses to, to you, but Matthew 6 31 to 33, <clears throat> speaking to his disciples, and they were wondering about what they were going to have. He says, Take therefore, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what withal shall we drink, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Uh, that he will supply, you know, Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Look at Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. He gives us an illustration in the life of Abraham. In Romans 4, in verse 17, it says, And as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, speaking about Abraham, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as they were, who against hope believed in hope. In other words, when no ground for hope appeared, when it seemed like it was impossible, he believed in hope. In other words, he 
expected God to do what he said. Who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. He's too old. Sarah's too old to have children. He's too old to father a child. When he was about a hundred year old, years old, yet neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in the faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. David Brown and James Foster Brown said this: When no ground for hope appeared, that is. You know, know, he believed it. In other words, he cherished believing the expectation. And he paid no attention to those physical obstacles, both in himself and in Sarah, which might seem to render the fulfillment hopeless. Paid no attention to it. He hesitated not, but believed God was able also to perform that which he said. You see, we have complete faith in our commander. Uh, to be honest, if I was a soldier in the American military, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence. But we don't have that kind of commander. You know, the captain of the Lord of hosts is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to form that which he has said. And he will supply our needs. And he is able to equip us for the task. The responsibilities. You know, it's, it's, as a soldier, it's the government's responsibility to supply and to equip soldiers. And our Lord promised to supply and to equip us for the ministry that he's given to us. This ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church. Look at Second Corinthians chapter ten. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter ten. Second Corinthians ten, verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Notice it says here, casting down imaginations. That word imaginations is reasonings hostile to the Christian faith. And he says he's given us, he's supplied us. You know, we, we walk in this, you know, in, a, in, in the flesh, but, but our war is not in the flesh. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Casting down imaginations or overpowering the enemy is the idea there. God has promised to equip us and supply the needs that we have to overcome the enemy. First Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. You know, I'll be honest with you. There have been some times where I, I've known missionaries that were going to go to a certain field and I had to wonder. Whether they'd ever be able to perform that which they believed God had called them to do. I remember when 
Nice Bible Institute. One of the teachers was telling me about telling us in class about a this you know he was demonstrating you know how God can work through you know uh, seemingly you know incapable instruments. And he's telling us about this missionary family that came through. And I said, he said this guy was going to go to a to a, a hostile country. And he said, if if you just sneeze in his presence, he'd probably been scared out of his skin. He was just a frail little guy, and he was just you know kind of a. And he said, I I wondered how in the world. He said, even we're did great work. It's not us. It's God. It's God. He will equip us for the task and supply us for the task. So there needs to be complete faith in our commander's abilities. We also need to have complete commitment to him. Verse 4 says in our text, No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. You see, we are to live to please Him. You know, the the joke is, when you go into the Marines, you get a new mama. When you go into the military, you're married to it. They tell you where to go, when to go, and how to get there. Your life is not your own. It's not your own. You know, I've known guys, there was two guys in, in Maryland, and they, they, they had, there was, a, there was this program, I think it was called the Buddy Program. I'm not sure if that's the technical name for it, but that's what they called it, the Buddy Program. They were going to win together and serve together. You know, they were good friends in school, they were in the same grade. <laughs> it didn't happen. They signed up together, thought they were going together, but when very long, they weren't together. They weren't together. You see, they don't tell the military where they're going. The military tells you where you're going. You see, a soldier is to please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Your only words are, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's the kind of commitment God wants from us. And we have, a, we have a commander who's all-knowing and all-powerful. He knows what's best for us. And we are to follow him wherever he would lead us. Sometimes those are places pleasant that are not pleasant. Sometimes they are pleasant. Sometimes they're not. Go to Luke's Gospel. Look at a few, things, a few verses here. Uh, a, tra- uh, a rabbit trail, you might you might say. Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> Speaking about the disciples here, James and John, sons of Zebedee in particular. In verse 11 it says, And when they had brought their ships to land, notice, they forsook all and followed him. Verse 27. After these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of customs. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. Now, he just left a cushy job. He's a tax collector. 
tax collectors in those days. Well, I'm not sure if it's just in those days. But anyway, tax collectors could, you know, collect tax and add to it if they wanted to. Anyway, uh, so he left a cushy job. And Jesus said, follow me. And he left all and followed him. He left all. Chapter 14. Chapter 14. Verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, No man can serve two masters, for he will love the one or hate the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now not all of us, and we understand this, I believe, that not all of us are going to leave our and I, and I even hate this, this term, our secular work. Because, and the reason I hate it is, because with the child of God, there's no thing, such thing as secular. Secular means without God. You know, what I mean is, not all of us are going are to uh, leave those kinds of, of, of service to the Lord, because that's really what it is, to go to the mission field or go into pastor full-time or, or something of that effect. All of us are going to do that. But we are all called to put him first, please him above all others. Just like we saw Nehemiah, the Lord came, was, was his purpose and pleasing the Lord was preeminent over his occupation on Thursday night. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You know, a double-minded man, or a, or a man that's tried to serve two masters, a good example of that is Lot. Lot destroyed himself. So there's to be complete commitment. We are here to please him. Please him as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Secondly, look at an athlete. Verse 5. If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So, as, as, as Paul here writes to Timothy and pictures for him the Christian life as an athlete, he says there's some things that we need to, that just like an athlete, apply to the Christian life. One of them is obedience to the rules. If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, 21, If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. I told a guy out in visitation yesterday, I said, you know, there's, I was thinking about this the other day, I said, you know, how do you answer somebody that says they're Christian, they never go to church, they don't witness, they don't, Continue in the apostles' doctrine. You know how do you? And I thought, you know, there's a, there's three things right there. Bible-believing Christians have always assembled together. They follow the apostles' doctrine, which is Bible doctrine. And everywhere they went, Acts chapter eight, everywhere they went, guess what they did? They preached the gospel. Something wrong with a lot of people that say they're Christians nowadays. They're not following the rule book. They're like those who want to play sports, 
but won't do it their own way and not follow the rules. Isaiah told the children of Israel in Isaiah 1, 19, 20, If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. You know, if we want to live as champions for the Lord, we have to live in obedience to Him. The book of Acts and the epistles gives us the plans and the playbook, if you will, for the Christian life, for the church. You know, nowhere does it tell me in there that we need motivational speakers, gimmicks, and all those sorts of things. No, if you break the rules, you're disqualified. Some of you remember Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe was an American Indian. He was... He was voted the greatest athlete of the 20th century. He, in 1912, in the Olympics, he won, I forget how many gold medals. But, later on, it was found out that he had played professional baseball for, I think, an Atlanta team for some pay. And he lost all his gold medals. He was disqualified. Because that's one of the rules of the Olympics. You're not allowed to play professionally, any sport professionally, for, for money. So he was disqualified. Even though he was the greatest athlete of the 20th century. You know, when Joshua was about to conquer Jericho, the Lord visited him and gave him explicit instructions how to conquer Jericho. And later he told him how to conquer AI. And so we're to heed God's instructions. We are to follow, follow his, his rule book, so to speak. Secondly, he wants us to strive. Again, in verse 5 here, he uses that word strive twice. And, and it, it's, it, it's the word athleo. It means to contend or to struggle in opposition, to compete. This would require, this would require, Self-discipline and, what's the ugly word? Practice. Practice. What are athletes constantly doing? Training. Training. Training and training and training. I read some time ago about a, about a guy who was a, a star. He was a first-round pick for the NBA. You know, you know college, he was he was a star in college, and he was a first round pick. And he turned out about turned out to be the biggest dud the NBA ever got. You know why? Because between the time he left college and the time he entered the NBA, he just partied and partied and partied and partied. And he admitted he ruined his career. You see, he didn't. Practice, train, 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 train. In discipline. No, he says here, if a man also strive. We have to strive. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. Paul strived. 
throughout his life, he strived. He, com- he, 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 he disciplined himself. He, if you will, he practiced. He trained. First Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the masteries is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crime, but we are not corruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So Paul continually strived or practiced or trained. In the ministry, that requires study. Study, by the way, also requires rest, proper eating. I remember a guy told me years ago, an older preacher told me, uh, when I was just starting out in ministry, he said, uh, make sure you get enough rest. Well, I always did sleep good. But I took his advice. I'm not a guy to stay up late at night. I start shutting down. Um, I don't like late nights. But anyway, so I always made a point to get enough rest. But but Paul here is talking about, he said, I keep my body in the subjection, under control. I train, train, train. He, 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 he says in one place, all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient or profitable. So we must strive. Keep ourselves fit for the ministry that God has given to us, is the idea here. So, as an athlete. Thirdly, as a farmer. Notice verse 6. A husband that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. The husband, of course, refers to it as another name for farmer, you might say. Uh, now, the farmer, or a farmer, or a husbandman, Leads a more quiet life. He's without the glitter and glamour and the applause of the athlete. He's without the perils of war and the glory and the the applause that's that's given to a soldier. Uh, you know, he he just labors. It's sweat and toil, day after day after day. I understand this. I grew up dairy farmer, and it's 24-7. Every day. Those cows need milk every day. They need fed every day. It's every year. Every year we did the same things, basically. In the spring, we plowed, prepared the soil, planted Prayed that God would water it and then harvest it all summer long through the fall. Patiently wait for the harvest. You see, it was labor and toil, labor and toil, labor and toil. Notice verse 24. He says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but gentle all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, who God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snares of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. 
So there's this constant laboring and toil. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> First Corinthians 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministered by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God give the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, Ye are God's building. So here's talking about laboring and watering and being God's husbandry. We're to labor in his fields. And of course, he talks about the fruit or the reward of our labor. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So, we reap what we sow. And of course, we reap later than we sow. If we sow to the flesh, we'll reap to the flesh corruption. If we sow to the spirit, we'll reap the spirit, everlasting life. And, and he says there's, there's gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now, I'm not going to relate that to farming. I relate a lot of things to farming. Um, yeah, there are, you, can, you can drive by farms and you'll see different looking corn at different farms in the same area. You know why that is? Because some farmers pay more attention to what they put on that ground when they plant. There's a farm in Pennsylvania where two different farmers farmed the same farm. And the corn for the one looked different than the corn in the other. You see, it was the preparation that was done that made the difference. It costs more for the one who had nicer looking corn to prepare it. But he reaped much more the one who didn't. The old saying is you get out of it what you put into it. If we will labor faithfully for the Lord and so to the Spirit, we will reap gold, silver, precious stones. But if we don't care, well, we'll get what we put into it. So, and of course, you know, our reward... The bulk of our reward. You know, there's there's rewards in this life. But the bulk of our reward is still yet future. You know, the soldier has his glory now. The athlete gets his glory now. 
The husband has to wait on his. And our reward is yet future. There was a story I heard about this, so I looked it up on the Internet and I found it. It's called The Missionary's Return. It's a story of Henry Morrison's return to the States after several dec- decades of missionary work in Africa. Um, opinions vary as to the exact words of the conversations which took place in this incident, and so I have written what I think captures the essence of this true story, and whoever the guy wrote this is. Anyway, it goes like this. After 40 years of faithful service to the Lord as a missionary in Africa, Henry Morrison and his wife were returning to New York. As the ship neared the dock, Henry said to his wife, Look at that crowd. They haven't forgotten about us. However, unknown to Henry, the ship also carried President Teddy Roosevelt, returning from a big game hunting trip in Africa. Roosevelt stepped from the boat with a great fanfare as people were cheering, flags were waving, bands were playing, and reporters waited for his comment. Henry and his wife slowly walked away unnoticed. They hailed a cab, which took them to the one-bedroom apartment, which had been provided by the mission board. Over the next few weeks, Henry tried, but failed to put the incident behind him. He was sinking sinking deeper into depression when one evening he said to his wife, This is all wrong. This man comes back from a hunting trip and everybody throws a big party. We give our lives and faithful service to God for all these many years and no one seems to care. His wife cautioned him that he should not feel this way. Henry replied, I know you're right, but I just can't help it. It just isn't right. His wife then said, Henry... You know God doesn't mind if we honestly question him. You need to tell this to the Lord and get this settled now. You'll be useless in his ministry until you do. Henry Morrison then went to his bedroom, got on his knees, and prayed, and began pouring out his heart to the Lord. Lord, you know our situation and what's troubling me. We gladly served you faithfully the years without complaining. But now I just can't get this incident out of my mind. After about ten minutes of fervent prayer, Henry returned to the living room with a peaceful look on his face. His wife said, looks like you resolved the matter. What happened? Henry replied, the Lord settled it for me. I told him how bitter I was that President received this tremendous homecoming, but no one even met us as we returned home. When I finished, it seemed as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, but Henry, you're not home yet. You ever feel like? Things you do for the Lord are overlooked. But never forget, this world's not your home. This world's not your home. Serve the Lord faithfully each day. He will reward you. You're not home yet. You're not home yet. Might God help us to faithfully serve him until he calls us home or comes for us.